Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I'm your host, Bob. I'm hanging out talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? Got my life jacket on just in case it starts raining like it did yesterday. My goodness. Felt like I was in the rainforest, man. It was crazy. I don't know, I don't know what you got, what, what's going on up there, um, but stay, stay dry do we. if you can. It's insane. <laughs> It was summer Saturday morning, and then it was 40 degrees and raining. I, I I don't know what was going on. But long story short, I did not get to go to see any baseball over the weekend. I'm very sad. But the good news is I will be going to the true doubleheader on May 3rd, so I can look forward to that. But I still haven't gotten a chance to sit in my season ticket seats. So a little bummed. But. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh... – you never know, you know, May May third, weather could be equally as terrible. So I hope I, um, I hope it's better for you for eighteen innings of baseball. Yeah, I hope not because uh I'm taking off work to do it. So if if I don't get to see the game, I've burnt a PTO day. So you better cooperate, Mother Nature. <laughs> that's why that's when you save things for a rainy day. Just exactly. But uh the weather wasn't the only odd depressing thing happening in Cleveland over the weekend Chris uh NBA playoffs started uh all teams have finished their game one uh in the first round of the NBA playoffs and the Cleveland Cavaliers laid the largest dud uh, of any team in the playoffs I wish they got rained out man on home <laughs> yeah losing on home court to the Pacers 98 to 80 uh Chris just I mean, we're going to dissect this game uh, and talk about it for, for about you know, a good good chunk on this podcast, but what, what was your initial reaction when you finally said in that the, the Pacers were going to easily uh, steer away with this win? Frustration. It, it was frustrating to watch Cleveland play regular season basketball in the playoffs. Uh, the last three years, the Cavs have to use the cliché flipped the switch and have turned into a different team just just dominating in the playoffs I mean yes they've lost games in the postseason but I never felt that they lost because they weren't I don't want to say they weren't trying but they weren't playing very well you you know what I mean it just felt like they were still in regular season mode that the team hadn't switched into the postseason There, there was just this this oddness that was the first quarter LeBron James not attempting a field goal for the first 10 minutes basically sums up the game for me. I I mean, how? I don't know how that happens. I don't know why that happens. But obviously, it's not a good idea for the team, for the player that your entire team and organization is structured around not to take a field goal for 10 and a half minutes and you're already down. 18 points by the time he attempts, not makes, attempts his first field goal. That's mind-boggling. That's baffling. And I, I, I have no idea why LeBron James wasn't more aggressive in the first quarter. And I hate that word aggressive. I, I hate it. But he had to take control of that game. I mean, this, this isn't the Cavs of the last three years. This team is clearly run through and around LeBron James. And I don't care if he misses seven shots. He has to 
he has to be the focal point and force the defense to focus in on him so that way everyone else can just fall into place. And that did not happen. And, and, and that is why I am not panicking over this loss. Because while it was a terrible loss, there is there are plenty of teams who have lost game one at home to come back and win a series. In fact, LeBron's team lost game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. It was on the road. This was against the Bulls in 2011. Went on to win five in five. So LeBron is, is not phased by 0-1. And I guarantee you he will not take 10 minutes to attempt a shot in game two. That alone, that anomaly alone makes me think that the Cavs are going to be just fine. I think they will ultimately bounce back. Yeah, um, I... I I think they'll bounce back to in this series for sure. Um, I, I, they are still. I, I would be blindsided if the Cavs lose this series to the Pacers, despite the outcome in this game, which was not just shocking, disappointing, whatever you want to say. It was utterly embarrassing, Chris. Uh, if you look at all the other scores in, in the playoffs, the, the next lowest point total was 95 points the Cavs scored 80 yeah all other teams outscored them by at least 15 this is a Cavaliers team that averages 110 points per game um and they're only scored 80 uh they they only scored less than that in the regular season one time against the Miami Heat uh when they put up 79 I believe that's when Kevin Love only played seven minutes uh due to a concussion so this was this was embarrassing for the Cavs and I understand what you're saying with LeBron. Yes, he is the the, M- the MVP, the, the leader of the team, the best player in the world. He needs to be the focal point. He needs to be the aggressor. He needs to be the center of attention and take take control of the game from tip-off to conclusion. Totally understand that. We've seen him do it before. I, I, I agree with you. I am not in any doubt that LeBron, playoff LeBron, will be better and and will will show up I mean he got his triple double but he was not the dominant force that we have been accustomed to seeing in this uh four year postseason run with the Cavs and even dating back to his run with the Miami Heat uh for for a sequential eight years now um so yes LeBron will be fine the Cavs will be fine against the Pacers but Chris this supporting cast is where where were they yesterday? You mentioned uh, you don't care if he misses his first seven shots. Well, Jeff Green took seven shots, and he missed all seven of them with zero points. He was your starting, I don't know, your, your starting power forward, I guess, in, in that lineup. Get him out of there. Put in Larry Nance Jr., uh, who's far more efficient, can you know provide some muscle down low. Uh, Rodney Hood was very disappointing to me uh, with only nine points. I think J.R. Smith who is a veteran of this team who has been on every postseason run with the Cavs, needs to get reinserted back into that two-guard spot. Uh, Kevin Love making attempting only eight shots, six of which were three-point attempts, and only making three. Uh, that needs to change. Get him down low. Get him more touches overall. I mean, he needs to take more shots. He needs to be aggressive. Uh, just widely widely disappointing from the supporting stat the supporting uh crew around lebron james and then just to call out the last starter you know george hill seven points that's not going to cut it if you're the starting point guard on this team trying to 
at least make up for what Kyrie Irving did so brilliantly over the last three years in the postseason. So this supporting cast, Chris, does not bode well for me. Uh, it, I, it is the severe limitation of what the Cavs can do in this postseason run. You mentioned that historically the Cavs are able to flip the switch and make uh, you know turn into a different team and make a deep postseason run, but uh, this is a, a Cavs team that's only returning five guys from last year that that went to the finals. And if you go back to that championship team, it's only four. Thompson, Love, Smith, and LeBron. I mean, th- there are still questions about whether the the new supporting staff guys can step up and flip the switch along with them. Uh, I, I am very much concerned for uh, how deep they can go. They can get past the Pacers for sure. Uh, I'm starting to think that they're only go, going to go as far as uh, the talent of the other side of the ball, and, and eventually they're going to meet a team that is locked in, that is equally as talented, and uh, you know is going to give the Cavs some serious trouble. I mean, th- th- those concerns are valid, um, but but a couple things. First, the supporting cast obviously was bad. I do think J.R. Smith, like you said, was a big bright spot in this game because he has had a very inconsistent season. He hit some really big shots. <coughs> Excuse me. 6 of 11 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, 15 points, second highest score. Obviously very strong off the bench. If J- that J.R. Smith shows up, then I think the Cavs are going to be in good shape overall. I agree with you with Kevin Love, 9 points, inexcusable. Look at his rebounds though, man. 17 rebounds. There is clearly an area to exploit the Pacers here. If he's able to dominate the glass like that, get him some touches on the elbow and let him go to work in the paint. But Bob, you you mentioned the supporting cast and, and how it's all new and raw and young. That is why I think it's even more inexcusable that LeBron waited that long to start getting involved with the offense. I, I think he needs from, from minute one to just put the pressure on the defense because when he does that, that puts these guys in a little more natural positions. It, it, it calms everyone down. I don't disagree that maybe Larry Nance should start or, or maybe um, J.R. Smith should start, but I also think that overall, Ty Lue has to settle in on a on a more succinct rotation. He 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 was too inconsistent with his substitution patterns. I, I don't think a lot of these guys had a chance to get into the rhythm of the game. Even though some of these guys played a lot of minutes, it just felt like there was too much switching going on. That there wasn't a clear kind of plan for the Pacers, which. Disheartens me because you had since Wednesday to prepare for this game, three full days. Uh, I, I would have liked to see a little bit more uh, stability with the substitutions and the rotations and whatnot. I think Ty Lue has to cut this thing down to eight. I know eight guys saw significant minutes, 19 or more. I think he needs to get this rotation to a more manageable eight or nine guys and get the best players on the court consistently, whoever they may be. Well, I think that's the problem right there. Who who are the, the eight best guys on this roster? Obviously, LeBron. Obviously, Kevin Love. Uh, I don't know where I'd rank the rest of them. Uh, and, and I think that's part of the problem is that game over game, it's it's a different guy disappoints and another guy steps into his shoes and, and takes over and fills in. Uh, but when you shrink down rotations like you're talking about, you know, Ty Lue wanted to come in and, you know, he was on record saying he wanted to do a 10-man rotation. Uh and I agree with you. I don't think that's going to work in the postseason when everyone else is shrinking and just relying on their best guys. 
uh, to recover through those back-to-backs. Um, who are those best eight? I, I don't know. Some of these guys have been wildly inconsistent, um, and, and that's concerning that we're still trying to figure that out in the postseason. Um, yeah, and, and you know we, we talked a lot about a lot about the Cavs, but I mean the Pacers came out and slapped them right in the face, punched them right in the mouth. Uh, credit to them and, and and what Oladipo, you know, building on what has been a, a revelatory season for him, taking his game to the next level. Certainly was ready uh, to lead this team in the postseason and had a fantastic game. So uh, the Cavs were blindsided, uh, and, and that supporting cast—it's it, concerning me. Yeah, I, I do think Kyle Korver ultimately should get more minutes. I, I think you lean on the guys who've done it before: J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver. These guys have been there before. These guys have shown that they can play big in big moments. And I think both of them, if they can get going, can can just completely open things up on on the court. Um, you know. A lot of people think Calderon should play more over Hill, and and after yesterday, it's hard to argue with that point. Calderon was was great in the last month of the season. Uh, perhaps he should get more minutes. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, look, I I think Ty Lue just has to look at what personnel grouping gives him the best chance to match up with this team, and, and just go with it. Um, but but the key, of course, is LeBron. Yes, on paper, he had a triple-double. His stat line was great, but he's just got to take control a little more earlier because he is by far the best player on this team. Kevin Love needs to get more touches, more good looks in the post. I think when you funnel it through those two guys, everything else becomes easier for this. I've said that a couple times now, but with the concerns about this supporting cast, it's more important for the truly legitimate blue-chip stars, LeBron James and Kevin Love, to dominate in like they like they we know they can no for, for sure um and, and you know my concerns i i think i i watched this first game and you know that highlights some long-term concerns for me uh the reality is the Cavs shot 23 percent from three they're uh as a team throughout the season they shot 37 percent so that'll change uh in, in game two at home they also turned the ball over 17 times in game one, uh, if they bring that number down and, and connect on, on more of their threes, um, they'll, they'll be fine against the Pacers. And, and if Love gets more touches, LeBron is a little bit more assertive. I think they can easily, you know, they can easily win this thing uh, in, in five games. Um, for, for me, though, uh, what I saw here, the Cavs at their worst in the postseason, um, it, it shocked me and, and and it just concerns me um, when they do get. Uh, a more frightening opponent um, later down the road. Yeah, let, let's also not forget that that as bad as things were, entering the fourth quarter, they were only down eight points. And and when that happened, I thought, okay, LeBron's going to turn it on. They're going to win this thing. And then the Pacers just pushed him away with a 25-15 quarter. So, you know, let's not forget that that is bad as this game was and it was bad I'm not making any excuses they got it to within eight in the third quarter and we're on the verge of all they really had to do was turn it on and and they could have won this game I mean they really it, it was there you're down eight in the fourth to start the fourth that is a still a winnable game so as be- everything went wrong for the Cavs except LeBron getting his triple double and they still had a shot in the fourth quarter. So I'm with you, Bob. This team, I think, 
all this does is turn a sweep into a five-game series right now. Obviously, if they lose game two, yeah, it's time to panic. I agree uh, if game two uh, goes south. I mean, glad we're recording now and we will have a week (laughs) to to talk about that. But, um, you know, I'm giving the Pacers a little bit more credit. I think Cavs in six. I I think the Pacers show that they can win a game at home. They just seem to to give the Cavs trouble. And uh, barring uh, a huge elevation of the Cavs game, through, throughout the rest of the series, I, I think the Cavs won't be able to close it out in a straight sweep. I'm going Cavs in six. See, I actually think the Cavs will be hugely elevated over the next four games, and I expect them to win the next four. I, I, I picked this series as a sweep prior to game one, so obviously that's not going to happen for the Cavs. hope it doesn't happen for the Pacers, but um, I, I do think the Cavs are going to make a statement in game two and reassert dominance and, and, and win in five. Certainly hope so. Um, that that would make me feel a lot better. Um, but Chris, Cavs Pacers uh, obviously wasn't the only playoff game uh, or the only playoff series happening in, in the NBA. And I would probably gonna say that was probably the most boring game of them all. Um, the, the Sixers did run away a little bit at the end. But um, Chris, let, let's go around now and, and check out. Uh, the other round one series that are going on staying in the Eastern Conference and, and starting with that Heat 76ers game, the 76ers pulling away in the second half, 130 to 103. Um, what do you like about this series and, and who do you have advancing? Well, I really liked the 76ers. Obviously, they uh, dominated uh, even without Joel Embiid, who may return, who's who's cleared to return for game two, but I don't think he'll return until game three at the earliest. And I think if the Sixers go up 2-0, they may be cautious with him and maybe, maybe, maybe not even for game three. Point being, Ben Simmons is the real deal, and Markel Fultz is starting to find his sea legs. The Philadelphia 76ers are showing that they may be young, but they are not intimidated by the bright lights. A very dominant performance. My pick prior to game one was 76ers in six. Wouldn't surprise me if they shave a game off there and win in five. Yeah, I think Sixers uh, are... I'm going with a sweep. I think they're going to take care of the Heat pretty well. Um, I agree. I think Embiid, they would be wise to to uh, rest him this entire series because I think Hassan Whiteside would love nothing than to uh, re-injure Joel Embiid in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I mean... The Sixers team is legit. I mean, you talked about Simmons and Markel Fultz uh, being key contributors. Neither of them were scored 20 points were in the top three uh, in scoring. That goes to J.J. Redick and Marco Bellinelli. So the old guys plus um, uh, rookie of the year candidate from last year, Dario Saric, scoring 20 points. So um, they're flashing their depth. Um, I, I th- it's going to be interesting when MB comes back because I do think the Sixers kicked it into a higher gear when he went down. How do they integrate that into the postseason will be interesting, but this is the time to do it. Um, I, I'm going Heat, or I'm going Sixers uh, in a series sweep. One prediction though, Bob. If the Sixers are up 3-0, I do think Embiid will play in Game 4 if he's ready because then they have the luxury of a 3-0 lead to try to integrate him in. They have kind of a free game to get his sea legs under instead of his first action being in Game 2. Very good point. All right, let's go to the top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, Toronto Raptors win in Game 1 against the Wizards, 114-106. to who, who do you like in this series? 
I, I like the Raptors. I actually, I, I don't think the Wizards are going to to do too much. I, I think they'll get a game, but I think the Raptors will win in five. I, the Raptors are the best team in this conference for a reason. The Wizards are a team that I thought keep thinking should be a force in the East. They, they've got the names and the talent, but they always seem to just, just not put it together. I, I can't trust them against the Raptors, who just seem to have everything coming together for them this season. So I think the the Raptors will win in five. I mean, to the Wizards' credit, uh, it was a one-point game heading into that fourth quarter when the Raptors uh, got a little bit of a cushion to pull away by eight points. Um, I, I think the Wizards will win a game. I agree. Uh, Raptors in five. Interestingly, uh, that was the first game one the Raptors have won in, in like four years or something. Uh, it's It's been a very long time. So... Um, they broke that. They broke that curse. Got that monkey off their back. I think they're gonna have a relatively easy uh, series against the Wizards. All right, let's round out the Eastern Conference, Chris, with uh, probably the, the game of game ones: the Celtics winning in overtime against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, who do you got in this series? So I have a funny story. Um, Celtics Bucks, obviously the best game of round one so far. Uh, fantastic drama. Um, when Terry Rozier, who went to our alma mater, Shaker Heights High School, hit the shot, um, the satellite at our parents' house went out because of the monsoon. I was up, I was up at our parents' house. And so I just checked ESPN. I knew there was .5 left. ESPN said, end fourth, 99-96 Celtics. So I thought, okay, shot didn't go. I can drive home, no problem. I get home. I get a text from from our mom saying, did you watch the end of that game? I'm like, yeah, man, local kid hitting the shot. And I didn't realize that it went into overtime. (laughs) I didn't realize that Middleton hit the shot or anything, and I saw the highlights. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that I missed all that. Now, I couldn't have watched it anyway because the the TV went out. But point being, um, it was just kind of a funny story there. That game was fantastic. The Bucks are going to give the Celtics a really tough series. I think this could be the best series of the first round, and I am picking the upset. Actually, I picked the upset. All of these picks were posted on Facebook prior to the start of the playoffs. I have Bucks in six. Interesting. Uh, I mean, well, not not all that interesting. I, I can definitely see that playing out, and, and the Bucks certainly had a chance to win this game. Uh, yeah, that's a fantastic finish. Um, I wasn't watching the end, but I saw Terry Rozier knock down that three at that time, and I uh, put my phone away for, for a bit, um, thinking that was it. That was the game, only to check back a couple hours later and see that it went into overtime. Um, I, I'm still giving the Celtics a lot of credit and benefit of doubt. Um, obviously, they have won that first game I I do think that they are going to uh, win this series in in six games I I just think the Bucks are a year away from you know if this were a year down the road and and the Celtics were were missing Kyrie and and Gordon Hayward and this was a more mature Bucks team I think they would do it Um, but I'm giving the Celtics a lot of benefit for what they accomplished in the regular season uh, Celtics in six for me yeah, you give it a year or two, and we could see the Bucks and the 76ers be some be significant forces in this conference. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's head out west, Chris. Uh, starting at the top, the Houston Rockets uh, 
needing all of their points to, to fend off the Minnesota Timberwolves 104 to 101 in that game one. Uh, who do you have in this series? Yeah, this is an unfortunate draw for the Rockets. I think Minnesota is one of the better lower seeds, if not the best low seed in both conferences. Um, but I do think the Rockets, as good as Minnesota is, they are a little young. Jimmy Butler's fantastic, but I think the Rockets are too much for them. I, I still think Houston will win in five games. Yeah, I'm going to give the Timberwolves one game. Uh, I, I think they, they had a chance to steal this and, and possibly win two games, but um, obviously they didn't. So I, I think they'll win one at home, get a taste of the postseason. They'll be back better next season. Um, man, if Carl Anthony Towns just scored a, a few more points, uh, they might have taken away that first win, but um, wasn't in the cards for them. So moving on to Warriors and Spurs. Uh Warriors winning really easy, one thirteen to ninety two over the Spurs. Who do you got uh, winning this series? The Warriors got so lucky because the Spurs, with all their injuries, are the worst team in the playoffs. They will destroy San Antonio in four games. Yeah, I agree. Um, they they have virtually no answer for anything that the Warriors are going to do. Um, the only the only way that obviously is not going to happen as if Kawhi Leonard just suited up and, and came back but uh, obviously that's not happening so I think the Warriors are going to sweep this the Spurs for sure you have to talk to his team about that Bob yeah 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 got lots of uh, whatever all right uh surprising outcome uh Pelicans winning game one over the Trailblazers 97 to 95 uh Chris who, who's winning this one I am I've got the Pelicans six games. I, I like Anthony Davis. Drew Holiday came, stepped up, and had a big game. Uh, I think the Pelicans are going to beat the uh, Trail Blazers. I think this will be another very entertaining series. I, I think this and the Bucks series are the two, the two series I'm most focused on outside of Cleveland, of course. Um, but that's only because I'm a Cleveland fan. Uh, but I, I like the Pelicans in six. I, I think the Ant Man will be too much for for Portland. Yeah, I'm starting to – I'm going to come around with you on that one. Um, I wanted to give Damian Lillard a lot of credit, but um, the Pelicans show that they can do this, and I think uh, playoff basketball is a little bit more suitable to, to the game that they're trying to play. Uh, they can give Trailblazers a lot of fits. Anthony Davis, no respect to Lillard, is certainly the best player on the court in this series. I, I think they can do it in six games as well. And then lastly, Chris, the Jazz and Thunder, uh, OKC winning 116-108 to 108 in that opening game. Who do you got pulling away in this one? I like what the Jazz have done this year. They've had a, they've had a very nice season, certainly a surprise after losing Gordon Hayward. Uh, but I, I think Oklahoma City, they just got, got the stars, man. I, you rarely pick against the talent in, in the NBA playoffs. I think the Thunder will win in six. Yeah, Carmelo Anthony's coming uh, off the bench, I believe, or, or leading the bench unit when they come on. So uh, they're giving him minutes without George and Westbrook on the court. I think that's what a lot of people thought they should have done all regular season. But now that it's postseason, I think uh, you can get the ego of Anthony to buy into that a little bit more. It makes them a lot more deadly. I think they're going to sweep the Jazz. That certainly wouldn't surprise me either. I, I think Utah's pesky enough to get one or two games at home, but ultimately the Thunder will win. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, Chris, we have a clear picture of the NBA playoffs. Uh, one game down for all teams. Who do you have going to the finals out of the Eastern and Western conferences? I'm sticking with the Warriors in the West. I still, I mean, look, they have a big four, not just a big three. They have a big four and a half. People forget that Andre Iguodala is an awesome player and he's their fifth best player. Bob, that's insane. I, 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 I'll believe it when I see it. The Warriors are too stacked, too good, and they avoided the Timberwolves and all of the the landmines of the first round. They didn't get the Thunder or the Timberwolves. I think that they got as good of a draw as they could have in the West. They are going to go to the NBA Finals, and I'm sticking with the Cavs. I think the Cavs will get there. The only team in the East I am worried about is if Philadelphia plays to its max potential I am not scared of Toronto and I'm certainly not scared of Indiana I think the Cavs will get to the NBA finals but if this Philadelphia team if Ben Simmons and beating them if their big three starts playing like a up to their potential that could be a very interesting Eastern Conference final yeah let's get the the easy one out of the way um definitely well for, for me, I, I agree with you, Chris. The Warriors uh, are, are going to win the Western Conference. I think Steph Curry um, looks like he, he's going to return by round two. I, I, I think he arguably could play uh, already, uh, but they're being really cautious with him. When he comes back, the, there, are, there are no answers for the Warriors, despite what the Rockets can do and how good of a season they, they have and, and how they have evolved. Um, the Warriors are they're just... There's no answer for them. Um, I think they are going uh, to a fourth straight NBA Finals. Uh, the Eastern Conference is hard. I mean, <laughs> uh, and it it uh, does not help that I'm making this pick after seeing what the Cavs did in, in that game one. I agree. It's coming down to the Sixers and the Cavaliers in, in that Eastern Conference Final. Uh, I got to go Cavs at, at this point. Um, I agree with you, though, uh, if – MB comes back and there's some synergy and, and the Sixers, you know, despite being so young are able to wade this postseason. You know, I, I find it hard for, for the Cavs being able to overcome that. But as of right now, I'm going to go with the sure thing. And that's LeBron. That's the season Cavaliers. Uh, I think we're getting Cavs warriors round four and probably the last one, uh, in my mind. Um, but the 76ers give me a, a lot of cause for concern. Yeah, the only thing I won't like about the 76ers probably getting to the Eastern Conference Finals and, and if they were to get to the NBA Finals is that Sam Hinkie will get way too much credit for this team. Yes, I know he loaded them up with assets, but he also bombed on so many premium picks that it's hard to cry for Sam Hinkie not being the general manager of the 76ers anymore. Yes, and I also know they hit a number one overall in the lottery after he got fired, but point being... He had three straight picks in the top six, two two threes and a six, and all he really got out of it was um, Joel Embiid. And he traded Drew Holiday. Right. Yeah, I mean, oh, you know, I can't, I can't blame him for trading Drew, Drew Holiday. I don't know if he would have reversed the fortune of the 76ers, but I, I get what you're saying with Sam Hinkie. I think uh, – the process is a great is a great sham in marketing <laughs> scheme. 
mean, yeah. it's like it's like it's like. Look, people are gonna say Sashi Brown will deserve credit if the Browns turn it around. And 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 while I I believe Hinky deserves some credit because he did load them up with a lot of assets. What he did was miss on a lot of the premium assets, just like what Sashi Brown potentially has done is, is is miss on some of these assets as well. So while Sashi Brown has loaded the cupboard, great. I don't think that Sam Hinkie loading the cupboard deserves as much credit as he's getting for these 76ers. Yep. I feel you on that. Hey. Who drafted – did Sam Hinkie draft Simmons? Or? I think he was fired – before they won that number one overall pick. I think the last two drafts have been the Colangelos. Got it. So he didn't even draft Sarek then. Or maybe yeah. he did because he came over. Yeah, that that I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know. I am I, I, I'm, I'm almost confident that Hinky wasn't around for Simmons because that was the year they won the lottery and all the Sabermetrics guys were like, see, Hinky's a genius. You just have to keep playing for the lottery. It's like, well, but he, he had – two top three picks and bombed on one of them. So, And Embiid yeah. wasn't looking that good until the last year. Yeah. He could have had Chris Stapps. You're right. Yeah, he could have had Chris Stapps. He could have had Giannis. He drafted Michael Carter-Williams, who looked good his rookie year, but then we all know how that went. He had to trade him the next year. So, you know. He didn't do anything with what he had. That's what I'm saying. Like, like he loaded up the cupboard. Give him credit for that. But I think he's getting entirely too much credit for this team's success. Yeah. I, I know we've just gone on a huge Sam Hinky rant tangent, but it needs to be said by someone. I'm doing the world a public service here, Bob. I thank you for for letting me have that. My my public service is trust the process, right? <laughs> um. All right. Well, that's a wrap on NBA postseason talk. Obviously. Uh, we'll have more calves uh, to discuss next week. Um, but meanwhile, we'll turn now to uh, the Cleveland Indians. Uh, they were playing some baseball until this weekend happened Two consecutive uh, postponed games due to weather against the Toronto Blue Jays. And previous to that, uh, they were playing some really good baseball. Uh, they dropped the, the opener to the Blue Jays eight to four. But before that, they were winners of five straight, including a four game sweep of Detroit. Uh, Chris, what, what do you like out of the Indians in the in the previous week, and what are you looking forward uh, heading into this week? I like that the last three games they played, the bats got going. They had a big inning against Detroit on Wednesday, and that seemed to lift the weight off of everyone's shoulder. Uh, Rick Manning said it on the air. He said, this is an inning that they need because everyone's involved, everyone's hitting, and, and he's absolutely right. When you get an inning like that, Everyone just kind of breathes a little easier and says, okay, finally, we're hitting. We're in rhythm. And I know they lost 8-4 to four to the Blue Jays, but they did score four runs for, for their pitchers. I mean, it was just a bad night by Clevenger and the bullpen. That's going to happen too. Uh, I, that's what was most refreshing is that not only did they sweep Detroit, who, by the way, is not going to be very good this year, uh, but they did so by getting their bats in rhythm and started to hit a little bit. So if, if they can just if they can just hit well and this pitching pitches like it's supposed to, they're going to be just fine, as we've said uh, last podcast. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. Um, really refreshing that uh, the Indians scored more than three runs in – uh, consecutive games three games in a row so hopefully they can continue that I think if you give Kluber Carrasco Bauer uh, at least three runs four runs a game um, you're going to win a lot of games uh, that's an easy recipe for success so um, 
an interesting two gamer uh, series against the Twins. Um, probably the the Indians' biggest rival for in the AL Central this year. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they stack up. But um, yeah, should 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 be another fun week for them. Uh, hopefully, they get to play some games and the weather is nice. Um, they're in Puerto Rico, Bob. The weather better be nice down there. Hey, that's right. I forgot that they were playing into Puerto Rico. Thank you for reminding me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, well, Chris, we will uh, quickly go into the realm of NHL hockey. We don't talk about it too much here, but the Columbus Blue Jackets are in the postseason and are up 2-0 against the Washington Capitals. The, The Blue Jackets this year have the annual tradition of breaking all of Washington hockey fans hearts it's or so it seems uh Chris how, how surprising are how surprised are you that the Blue Jackets uh are in such a commanding lead against the Caps I mean it's a little surprising because the Caps were the one of the best teams in the league uh but I mean once you get to the hockey playoffs it really anything can happen it's not uncommon for an eight seed to beat a one seed or or big upsets to happen um and the blue jackets are a really good team i'm not saying they're an eight seed but the blue jackets are a really good team i'm just glad columbus kind of avoided pittsburgh in that first round because that's the team you don't want to see right now but yeah they went up 2-0 and they're coming back to their home ice for a game on tuesday and thursday this week obviously it's awesome look you said it we're not hockey guys. We're, we don't follow the NHL that closely, but Columbus, I'm pulling for you, man. I, 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 you know, Columbus shows Cleveland a lot of love, so I am, I'm sending it down Columbus's way. Plus, got the affiliation uh, with the with the Monsters up here. So, so I hope the Blue Jackets can can win this series and, and have a nice playoff run. So, yeah, it was great to see them uh, doing it. And the last one came in overtime, uh, a nice five four win in overtime. Um, so, uh, very very good, very good to see. Yeah, I mean, coming home uh, with a 2-0 lead, uh, that, that's great. Uh, NHL, it's a little bit harder to, to close out, you know, that, that four-game sweep, uh, bringing it back home. Uh, things change a lot more in the NHL postseason, so um, it's not over yet, but I, I certainly hope that they're able to uh, pull out the upset and advance uh, past the Capitals. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, and just just for those fans out there who might not be NHL fans, the the the, the Capitals had the fourth most points in the Eastern Conference, but because they won the division, see that's it's it's a little wacky in the NHL. The top three division teams in each division make it no matter what, and then there are two wild cards that face the division winners. So the second and third place teams in each division face each other, and then the division winners face a wild card. And so the Capitals faced the Blue Jackets because the Blue Jackets wore one of those wild cards, even though they are actually in the same division. But but that's kind of how the postseason works. So it's a little different in the NHL. Uh, so I think if the Blue Jackets and Capitals will face the winner of the Penguins and Flyers, also teams in their division, uh, in the second round. Yeah. And lastly, we will check in with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you know, draft is less than two weeks away at this point. Uh, got a lot of rumors out there, but we'll stick with some tangible news in that the Browns have extended Jarvis Landry to a five-year, $75 million deal, $47 million guaranteed money. That's an annual contract, Chris, of around $15 million a year, making Jarvis Landry in 2018 the fifth highest paid wide receiver annually in the entire league uh do you think landry is worth that 
Yeah, we, we were talking about this off mic. Um, he might not be a top five wide receiver, but he's certainly top 15 and probably top 10. So if you have a, kind, a guy like that on your roster, he's going to command this kind of money. The Browns have the cap space. It's not like they're, you know, pinching pennies here. And they have a lot of young guys who aren't going to be up for an extension for another two to three seasons. So by the time Landry gets to the end of this contract, you know, it probably won't be that big of a cap issue because a lot of their young rookies and sophomores and, 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 and you know, third, soon-to-be third-year players won't be up for big extensions until, until the next two or three years. Yeah, this should not come to any surprise to, to anybody that's following the Browns. They traded for Landry, who was franchise-tagged uh, by the Dolphins. Um, they gave up two draft picks. Now, they weren't huge premium, premium draft picks, but they still made uh, – a sacrifice to pick up Landry you don't make those moves without the intent to sign him and this is right in line uh, with the cost that it would take to sign a guy of Landry's cap- caliber um, I think Landry will always be devalued because he's a slot guy as a receptions guy but um, it, it's it's impressive what he has been able to do over the past three years leading the league in receptions last year uh, making I believe two straight Pro Bowls, uh, maybe three, um, if, if I'm remembering correctly. But um, he, he's, he's a great wide receiver, and this is the price that the Browns have to pay to, to actually get premium talent into their locker room. If they're not going to do it through the draft, they're trying to do it through the draft, but you know, if they're going to supplement that with the draft, uh, this is what you have to do. Uh, the Browns didn't make a huge splash in free agency. They signed a lot of guys, but they didn't shell out huge contracts I, I would lump this into their free agency spending this is the the, the prized prospect that they got uh, through free agency though they did it through a trade uh, and then extending him in a big contract I think it's worth it uh, I think uh, Landry has shown consistency and that he can deliver I think he's going to deliver on a good chunk of that contract and let's just be real Bob who else are you going to give that money to on the Browns right now yeah I mean, he's certainly he's certainly a top-tier talent, and the Browns sorely need that. Well, all righty. Well, speaking of top-tier talent, hopefully Wednesday we'll see some top-tier talent play like top-tier talent in Game 2 of the Eastern Conference uh, quarterfinals against Indiana. Come on, Cavs. You can do a lot better than you did on Sunday. Bob and I both have faith in you, and I know all of Cleveland isn't isn't giving up just yet. It's It's way too early to panic. Don't freak out, Cleveland. They're going to be fine. But that is it for our podcast this week. Come back next week. We will break down the NFL draft. As Bob said, it's closing in a week from Thursday. And, of course, we'll talk about the NBA playoffs, whatever the Tribe does, and hopefully the Blue Jackets will be in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So a lot to look forward to on Clee Talk. You can catch up on all our old episodes at FenleyRoadSports.com. That is our host website for Clee Talk. You can subscribe via iTunes by clicking the icon in the upper hand corner of FenleyRoadSports.com, or you can search Fenley Road Sports on iTunes, click Clee Talk, hit subscribe. It's just that simple. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter by searching Fenley Road Sports. We thank you for your support. Please come back next week for another episode of Clee Talk. And until then, go Cavs. Come on. Win this game. Win this series. You can do it. We know you can. Come on. All right, Chris, go Cavs. I'll see you soon. Take it easy, Bob.